Welcome to Random Questions, the show that turns interviews on their head. I'm Eric Johnson, and who the hell are you? Uh, I'm I'm another Eric, but uh, they spell my name in the old way with a K, and uh, Eric Silk is the full version. Um, it's like it's, a- it's okay. I'm I'm I feel okay about uh, knowing you and thinking of you as a friend because it's spelled differently, so we don't have to be like competing for for the the rights to the name. You know, we we can let each other go about in peace. You right. Know? I mean, that I'm you know to be to be perfectly honest, I'm a bit envious of you in the difference that we must have had in our early lives because I endured and continue to endure a lifetime of people misspelling my name, even after seeing it in my email signature, in my in my email address, in <laughs> fact. Uh, you know, people just don't want to, they don't want to face the truth. They want it to be with a C. Yeah. yeah people say what they want. I, I actually get the reverse of that. I sometimes frequently at Starbucks or like getting delivery food or, or whatever, things like that, people spell with a K. So the grass is always greener, man. Wow. In any case, uh, so, uh, yeah, if this is your first time listening to the show, here's how it works. Neither Eric with a K nor I have any idea what we're going to talk about today. I have a list of 393 questions here, and every time I hit this button, we'll get a new one at random. You can submit your questions for future guests at randomquestions.xyz. So, here comes the first question. Eric, what's something other people do that really weirds you out? Oh boy. Um, let's see. I would say first one that comes to mind is when people are ordering things at restaurants and they ask, can I get something? Um, and this is something I've taken flack for in the past for having this opinion, but, uh, you know, in a restaurant, just like anywhere else, you know, I am the customer and the service provider is providing the service. So when I order something, I say, I will have this. This is my decision. Right. It's not a, uh, you know, if you happen to have this in stock, get this for me. No, you put a menu in front of me. I see this food <laughs> object. There is no reason for me to think you don't have it. So I'm just going to say I'm going to have this. Um, so people are, are trying to be really polite. They're saying, you know, is there any way you can make it possible for me to have this thing that you were trying to sell me? Right. And it's not so much that they do that. I'd be able to take that on its own. But it's the fact that I've gotten called out for never doing that myself. You know, I'm. Uh, I don't think I'm being too imperious uh, about this. I just, I just want the thing, and that's what I'm gonna say. You know, I wait. It's okay. So, so waiter comes up to you. I'm the waiter. I say, okay. And what do you want, sir? And you say, uh, I will say, I will. I'll have this. I'll take this. Um, you know, the the other version is, of course, may I have this, or you know, could I, could I get this? You know, it's that, that seems pr- plenty polite. Yeah, it's polite, but it's. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 kind of nonsensical to me. Like. Yes, yeah. of course you can have that. You're you're a paying customer. You're going to exchange <laughs> currency for this good slash service. Like it's yeah. it's a no brainer to me. Next question. But it's the whole thing with with, with like uh, you have uh, restaurants that really want to be your friend, right? I mean that's the whole thing. It's like the server's trying to get a, a tip, and so they they train they're trained to to really. Um, create the sense that oh yeah you're you're you know a friend or your family or your whatever so it's sort of like uh, maybe we are conditioned by that to to respond in a certain way to 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 treat the server uh reciprocally you know yeah you know um, and i and i do wonder if it's uh if it's sort of a side effect of this tipping culture which is not exclusive to the u.s but uh the u.s is definitely the i, th- I would say the most prominent market where it's the case where you know there's a situation where they're on the hook to give you the best possible service. And like you said, it kind of primes you for this mindset where, yeah, you guys are buddies. You go way back. This person is doing you a favor by bringing you food and you're doing them a favor by giving them a, you know, 20% on top of the fee for it. Um, 
and that's uh, exactly. I mean, that's a that's a whole nother rant I could go off of. You know, the sort of <laughs> what the service culture and the tip culture has done to the way that we interact with. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. What's your rant? Are you are you not a fan of tipping? Oh no, not at all. I mean, I I feel like anyone who works in the service industry should get a fair salary. They should get a fair wage. Um, you know, the the tipping really puts more onus on the customer. Like it, it, in my opinion, and you know, as somebody who is, I would say, not great with people. Uh, you know, I it's <laughs> it's an additional layer on this whole transaction where I have to think about okay. Now that this whole thing is over with, now that this relationship, this one hour relationship has concluded, how am I going to reward this person for their work? You know, that's the whole right. point of having prices. That's the whole point of having a menu where I know how much this costs, you know, to say nothing of the havoc it wreaks on when you have to split the bill up between other people. I mean, it's like, right, you know, because other, if, if everybody's paying the tip separately, then they're all going to have their own ideas about what percentages to be. And then I think there's a whole Seinfeld episode about this, you know, how to determine the tip and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, I just think... But that's the uh, the start of um, Reservoir Dogs, isn't it? With Quentin Tarantino's character saying he never tips. Oh, man, that's that's a deep cut. But, uh, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like the very first scene in Reservoir Dogs. It, it, well, it actually might be him analyzing like a virgin, and then I think right after that, it's then either him or Steve Buscemi or w- one of them uh, saying, you know, like why tipping is bullshit and why you shouldn't do it and all this stuff. Yeah, and you know, to be fair, like my my dad has always tipped twenty percent, and so he taught me to do that, which is right. fine if that's. But you know, as not only a person who's not great with people, but also a very cranky person, like sometimes <laughs> in my later years, I've gotten just real pissed off about service and. Uh, you know, I, in my heart of hearts, I want to say like, man, I want to make a statement. I want to give this person like a, like a one percent tip or something. But I know that's not right. right. So it's not even a matter of the consumer being empowered to reward the server on the basis of their service. It's like, okay, so let's take this. Let's take us to cabs now. So New York cabs, or actually DC cabs now too, and maybe other cabs. I don't know, but. And we should say also, but before you go off on cabs, we should say that this is actually the first episode of the show that we're recording remotely. Eric is in New York. I'm uh, back in the San Francisco area. So if it sounds at all different from a normal episode, uh, that's why. So you're about to say New York cabs. Yes, New York cabs. So when you're about to get out of New York cab, you you know, you know, say, I'm going to pay with card. And then uh, you go through this whole series of transactions on the little monitor and they give you tip options and there might be i can't remember now there might be some sort of way to like fill in the value yourself but they give you default options and the lowest yes. the lowest option i believe is 15% it might even be 20% no it's i think it's 15 I've 20 i've seen 20 as the lowest in some caps i think in vegas i think the lowest suggested tip was 20 you have to manually enter you know a different amount if you want to tip any lower than 20 right and that's to me that's uh a little outrageous. I'm probably not <laughs> expressing my outrage in my voice, but that's it's always really bugged the heck out of me. I mean, I, you know, this this is just another layer of the service economy, and this person gave me a ride, and that's why I almost exclusively take Ubers at this point. In fact, once I realized they existed, and uh, you know, I don't know how it is out there, but uh, in in DC and New York, you know, they're they're pretty much always the best option. Like even in the surgiest of surge times. Like, I know they're going to pick me up and I'm going to just sit back and I'm not going to have to worry about this nonsense with, you know, it's not how much do I give this person for their good service? It's do I give them tier one, tier two or tier three? And even tier one is something that I consider a little excessively high. But the fact that I mean, that that little monitor 
is so presumptuous that <laughs> I would think that the baseline that I'd be willing to pay is a fifth of the total cost of what I'm already paying. Um, you know, this guy might have been a jerk. His cab might have smelled bad. He might have, uh, you know, been rude. I mean, these are all things that you're supposed to base your tip calculation off of, but often you don't really fully get the opportunity to do so. I once had a cab driver pick me up at uh, Newark Airport, and it was uh, middle of the night. My flight had been super delayed, so it was about uh, 3 a.m. East Coast time, Jeez. and uh, and it was like the only cab available. This is just clear. I mean, this is the graveyard shift for, for, for even taxi drivers, right. and I had to get to my hotel. I had to be somewhere the next morning, and the driver was super creepy. He was like this shy of like hitting on me, and I was like please just get me to my hotel. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to get there. I was like trying to avoid answering any of his questions or anything. You said this was and in I think Newark? That's probably, this was coming from Newark airport going into Manhattan because uh, my flight it was supposed to get into JFK and was canceled due to weather stuff because the East coast, unlike California has weather. It's this weird thing you guys do out there. And hey man, that's why uh, I came yeah. back to it. I like the chaos. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a long, that's a long trip. I hope you're able to expense that. Uh, yeah, I was, I was. It was, it was, it was long and uh, disturbing, but it all wound up fine in the end, and I expensed it. So, well, how much, how much did you tip him? Do you remember? <laughs> a very small amount. I, I like, uh, had it, thankfully it had one of the credit card things in the back, so I was able to just like type it in, grab my bags, and get yeah. out of the cab. I didn't have to like deal with you know human confrontation of like, hey, I'm not giving you as much money as I might have if you hadn't been so creepy. Yeah, none you know? of that. You need a receipt because if you if you stay there for that long period of time for them to print out the receipt, you know they're catching a look at it. You know they're figuring out off the top of their head. Maybe that's I'm a good point. Yeah, this, I think but... this is one of the cabs where he just gives you like a blank card of just like you know to write in your own amount if you if you ask for for a paper receipt. <sighs> it's the little things so. that count. I know. All right, here comes the next question. Okay. Ooh. This is another few possible rant material. Uh, do you think cars should have to quote share the road with bikes? Uh, uh that's uh. Am I allowed to ask clarifying questions? I guess not because of you're course. just reading them straight off. So is this is this specific to urban roads? Uh, I'd say it's whatever roads that you have happen to happen to drive or bike on. Right. Um. No, no, I don't think they should. I feel like, uh, and I run into this when I'm when I'm visiting my parents' house, and you know they have some trails near their house, and you know, it's out in the suburbs, so most of those roads do not have the concept of bike lanes yet. And right. I grew up thinking, yeah, you ride your bike on the trail, and you just have to be careful, and you have to be thoughtful of you know other pedestrians, you have to move around them, and that sort of thing. Um, this idea that if I'm in a one lane road, or say the speed limit is like. 40 or 45 or something and you know there, there are plenty of those in suburban dc as well you know having grown up in that area mm -hmm. um yep i mean being caught behind like like a sunday morning troop of bicyclists <laughs> that that is one of those things that does kind of grind my gears because uh you know, yeah. there's not really an opportunity to move around them uh if you honk there's nothing that they're gonna do there's, there's nothing they really can do um so uh I don't know. It's I guess my view of cyclists has kind of been skewed since I've been living in cities for so long and and particularly in cities where they're beginning to accommodate more and more for them. Um, I think so you find that's easier to, to share the road or, or some version of that in a city because there's there's bike lanes and things like that. Well, there's bike lanes, but also like traffic just isn't moving that fast in general in cities. So it's that's true. You know, it's not going to be a major inconvenience to me. 
Um, but my point of reference starting here was out in the suburbs and out in the suburbs. Yeah, it is. Uh, it drives me crazy. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, I, I know you don't really have a choice. You're just trying to ride your bike. Like, maybe take some back roads, maybe take some trails. Um, well, I mean, and also the whole thing, too, is like in, on certain roads, obviously, like, uh, if you're really into biking, right? I mean, I get that. Obviously, it is fun to be going fast and it's easier to go fast on a paved road that's really designed for cars. Sure. So I can kind of logic my way into understanding you know why a bike in a more suburban area might do that but yeah like as a driver whenever you know i'm like going at at normal speed like you're saying like a 45 down um this doesn't mean anything to anyone who doesn't live in the you know peninsula area of the san francisco bay but uh on page mill road which is sort of a um one of the main like highways that takes you to or one of the roads that takes you to the highway uh near where i live um this is kind of curvy and hilly at times and i've like had some close calls where a bike just turns without stopping at the intersection just turns onto you know this highway at high speed and as a driver that like freaks me out because like obviously i don't want to hurt anybody but at the same time it's like that's also like quasi legal for them to do that you know yeah that's uh, and maybe that's something that just needs more examination it needs to be more more widespread like what are the laws for a cyclist you know if it's if you really are if you really are in a world where there's this expectation that you are you deserve to share the road with motorists well motorists at least in theory have all had to take this test and in california it's a pretty tough test i'm gonna be honest with you i failed it the first time uh despite having had my license for like nine years before yeah it's i barely passed the california test it was one question separating pass from fail for me you have to (laughs) you have to know what you're doing and so that carries out into the road you know you know all the laws you know all the rules even the ones that aren't like blatantly put on signs in your face uh as someone who rode a bike around there you know every every sunday i remember i would uh i would take camino real another main road in that area i would ride from sunnyville all the way down to palo alto and go to trader joe's or something that's uh that road has a fantastic bike lane at almost no point do you really have to reckon with traffic other than like crossing intersections um right and so you really you don't have to worry about well what am i supposed to do here do i have to signal with my hand like how do i tell someone you didn't have to pass a test to, to, to bike in that, that area. You don't have to, so, so it's kind I don't of know if you different. have to pass a test to ride a bike anywhere. The only test I had to pass yeah. was, uh, can I can I have the training wheels taken off without falling down? And that was a test I passed <laughs> when I was six. Um, I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess every every place I've lived, the DMV has motorbike license, but not, not bike license. Right, yeah, and that's a hard one to get. Everywhere. I actually got my motorcycle license uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, really? And, uh, yeah, it was just it was really just a weekend of like Friday night was a few hours in the classroom, and then Saturday and Sunday were out in this rainy parking lot at uh, George Mason University, if you know where that is. Um, and huh. uh, you know, we just kind of rode circles and did drills, did figure eights, did all that sort of thing. And then there was a skills test at the end, and they give you your license. And uh, wow. you know that that was more intensive than behind the wheel was to get my license back when I was sixteen, um, because yeah. that's you know that's really a dangerous thing to ride, but. Um, but yeah, cyclists. Do you, do you do you do it though? Like, do you do you motorbike a lot? Oh no, I I I had been setting it as a goal to buy a motorcycle for a while now, but uh, ah. I haven't really gotten around to it. I really want to though. Um, I think I might just put it on hold until I live in an area that has a little more open space. Um, right, right. But going back to this bike thing, you know, in let's go back to the suburbs here because, like I said, in the city, mm-hmm. you can't go too fast. If I'm on a road where the speed limit's 45 and I absolutely have to be on the road, there's no other option for me, 
I should understand that there are vehicles who are completely within their rights to want to go 45 miles an hour. And if they have to pass yep. me, if they have to honk at me and get me to move over, you know, that's their right. The road belongs to the car. The road was paved for the car. If there's a bike lane, then yeah, it was obviously made for those people and they should be allowed to do whatever they want within that lane. Um, you know, DC is another example that's been great about having a lot of bike lanes. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's my answer to that. I, th- I think between tipping and now uh, bikes, we've got at least two Seinfeld episodes here. So if they ever want to bring that show back, Jerry, give us a call. Yeah. We've got some primo material. And for these you are modern here. problems, too. Like in, in the 90s, <laughs> I think bicycling was uh, was still kind of, a, I don't know, a bit more of a recreational yeah. activity. You know, now it's a way of life. I mean, half the people in my office bike to work. Yeah. And then, you know, digital tipping is exactly the same. Right. The other, the other half Uber to work, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, here comes the next question. Okay, so this is kind of a two-parter, I guess. Yeah. What's your favorite sport to watch and your favorite to play? Okay, uh, these are actually both pretty easy. My favorite to watch is ice hockey. Even though I don't follow it that closely, even though uh, I couldn't tell you that many facts about uh, – you know, the Capitals or the Rangers, which I guess are my local teams considering where I spend most of my time. Uh, right. I enjoy watching it. I think it's, uh, again, from someone who cannot speak to the nuances or specific facts about the sport, like I just think it is incredibly impressive that they managed to marry the ability to glide across the ice so seamlessly because I was never that good at ice skating, so I think that's part of this. Um, but then just combine that with, the incredible violence that is associated with the game um and it's just it's it's amazing to watch because it's like uh it's like being in an art gallery where they're screening an action movie like it just it it (laughs) combines class and excitement in a way that other sports don't really do um you know for most of those other what i consider active sports as in you know it's not play-based or it's not uh inning based um you know they're all just a lot of like running back and forth and to be fair that's true for hockey too but it just feels like even within that basic back and forth action it is just impressive to watch like you know these like just the dexterity it takes and the balance and and all yeah it's these big toothless guys they're just gliding back and forth and you knew if they weren't on a mission to get this puck into the net or to you know check each other like it would it would look something approximating beautiful to me um yeah my favorite sport to play, and this goes right back to the I am not a people person, is uh, racquetball. <laughs> so racquetball is something that my friend introduced to me at the end of high school because he was going to the Air Force Academy and he had to, like I guess, declare a sport that he was going to be involved in. And he chose okay. racquetball because he thought it was unusual but still a good workout. Um, hmm. Then I got to college and... There was this gym that had a ton of racquetball courts and no one ever used them. So sometimes I would play with friends. Sometimes I realized I could very easily play by myself. Um, you know, the beauty of racquetball okay. is that you're in you're in a self-contained room and, you know, there are there are obviously a lot of like limits and rules associated with this, but in essence, the ball could hit any of the one, two, three, four, five, six surfaces. I don't know why I had to count how many sides are on a cube, but uh <laughs> but the ball could hit anywhere. So you know, there's, it's not like tennis where if you're just hitting against the wall, the ball's going to go out of bounds. You got to chase after it. It's not like any other sport where, you know, the ball rolls somewhere. Like you were, it is always in play if you're just kind of playing with yourself. Um, and that really dumb question. Sure. 
How is racquetball different from, like, squash? I have played neither sport, so I might not actually really understand your answer, but what's the difference? Well, as someone who doesn't know the rules of squash very well, and to be honest, I don't know the rules of racquetball that much better because I haven't played (laughs) official games in quite some years, but uh, what I know is that the racket is, it's got, like, a longer handle, and the surface area, I think, is smaller for squash, and the ball is different, too. The ball is smaller, and it's not as bouncy in squash. Uh, and that, okay. that definitely plays a role in how the game is played. Um, the lines on the court are also drawn differently. Um, hmm. I also feel like, in general, squash is just associated with kind of a, a higher income bracket and uh, kind of more hoity-toity class of people. Like the racquetball, racquetball seemed like it's sort of younger, kind of uh, more more working class brother. And I'm probably exaggerating heavily okay. there. But that's, that's also something that always drew me in there because, um, I don't know, Squash feels like a country club sport. Racquetball feels like a uh, you played it in the 80s kind of thing. And then meanwhile, the 1% of the 1% are off playing badminton. You know, they've, they've all got their... Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> they can have it because badminton is not surrounded by walls. you got to chase after that ridiculous little shuttlecock every time it goes out of bounds, which somehow mm-hmm. it can. Um, to, I haven't played since high school when I had to for an yeah. elective, but... Uh, that just yeah, that's that's a frivolous game. Oh, I'm sure at the highest level, just like any other sport, like like hockey, I was just mentioning, it's probably impressive to watch and it's really a a study in grace. Yeah. But uh, but at its core, 99 percent of the time it's being played, at least that I've seen, I just look at it and I shake my head and I say, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> I'm sure someone could say it's me. kind of too bad that for uh, for the sake of both uh, racquetball and squash, that the the ball has to be able to hit like the ground or the floor that you're playing on because uh, I've kind of from I've melded your two answers I think like ice racquetball would be really fun to watch someone gliding around oh, and wow. playing that you know what I don't <laughs> think uh, I don't think having a floor made of ice would affect the bounciness of the ball all that much um, really we got to do this yeah yeah man that's uh that's on my bucket list then yeah I I I, I know this probably isn't uh, this this is breaking format here, but uh, did you ever like <laughs> think about what your dream like estate or home would look like if you had infinite money? Like, you ever talk about this as a kid or as a teenager? Um, yeah, so sort of. I mean, uh, I guess the stereotypical thing for young boys to do is to draw like their dream treehouse, right? Like they 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 draw like here's my like secret fort or whatever. Uh, at that age, like the the my young version of that was like space station right i was you know into star wars and all sorts of other space of course, stuff for, uh, intensely and uh so i drew a lot of uh you know dream space stations which um were sort of i guess like kind of you know uh dream place to live there was always like a room for me that always had you know bed and books and stuff that looked like my my real bedroom and then uh, from there, I guess the only thing, and then the only other thing sort of like that that I did was then I got into playing uh, The Sims. Did you ever play The Sims? Uh, I did way back when it first came out. I haven't played any of the sequels, but... Uh... Yeah, no, I played one and then the expansion packs to one, but then never two or three or four. But then with Sims 1, I would do, I would kind of, you know, do the, the, the dream, you know, um, estate or, or what have you. Right. Yeah, so I asked that because, uh, and that's that's a fantastic answer. I mean, bring it into space is uh, is very forward thinking for the time. Um, so in high school, this is a little further down than being a kid, but uh, we would talk about if we could, you know, whoever whoever among us made our first million, 
like they would put the down payment on some big piece of real estate, probably in the <laughs> middle of nowhere, like Kansas or, you know, one of the Dakotas or something like that. And uh, right. just turn it into this, this grand estate uh, where it would just be like, it would not have any sort of unifying features whatsoever. Like it would just be a bunch of random, random shit that we thought would be fun at the time. At one point, we talked about forming a jug band, so we thought we should make a little hollow in the ground called Baker's <laughs> Hollow, where we could like hang out and play spoons, and you know, and pluck on the the base where it's like the one string and then the thing stuck in the bucket attached to it. Um, and uh, and of course, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, you, so your dream is to get rich and start a drug a, a drug band. Oh, uh, that's one of them. Yeah, that's assuming my friends are still down with it because um, I'm not bringing. Oh my God, I'm not getting contractors there for it. I, I'm not. I'm not laughing to make fun. I'm laughing because that's such, such a an amazing like. Um, that's like a sweet and sour sort 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 of melding of two completely different like. I would never expect that someone the way you started that that story of being a millionaire and having this estate would lead to drug ban. Well, it was gonna lead to racquetball, which is definitely another feature of this estate. But uh, <laughs> but no, the jug ban thing. Naturally. I can't remember where that came from. I think it was. It's just like. Like when you look at certain scenes, like like a bunch of you know a bunch of rural folks just having a hoe down and a jug band is playing, like I look at yeah. scenes like that, you know, pastoral American scenes, and think, man, they all look like they're having a lot of fun, you know, regardless yeah. of how much moonshine is involved. Um, <laughs> and I know I'll never be able to perfectly the jugs held something at some point, right? I, so I know I'll never be able to perfectly replicate that scenario, but. Just the act of starting a jug band and figuring out some kind of hoedown music to play, like I feel like that would just make me a happier person just by being part of that. Um, so that's where the Baker's Hollow Boys came from, which is what we'd be called, and the that would be the name of the group. Yes, and the feature in the estate would be called Baker's Hollow, obviously. Okay. Um, but uh, but we also talked about having ample racquetball courts, and uh, <laughs> so my whole point of bringing this up is that uh, yeah, putting putting an ice floor on one of those would be a uh, would be a pretty good play there. Um, I feel like there was a recent episode of Bob's Burgers where they did this in the in their refrigerator yeah. in the basement. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. And this is no, no original ideas. Here I was thinking that I had a creative thought of uh, you know something that hadn't been thought of before. But no, putting racquetball on it Bob's is absolutely Burgers. new. That's um, you should <laughs> you should copyright that while you have the chance before I do. Yeah, I'm too lazy. No way. All right, <laughs> All right here comes the next question. Okay. Ooh. What is the best flavor of Starburst? Oh. Hmm. Okay. Well, I can I can pretty quickly narrow it down. I think pink, aka strawberry, and orange, aka orange, are both a little overrated. As a child, I always gravitated toward either the yellow lemon or the red cherry. Between those two, really? I think it's a toss-up. And I'm going to have to answer that question by saying... A sandwich made by the two of those with nothing in between that you just push together <laughs> and turn into like almost a cube of Starburst. I I'm shocked to hear you say yellow. Like like I've never heard anyone express a preference or or a half preference for yellow. Well, it's just got it's got some tang. It's got some kick behind it. It's got some character yeah. to it. Um, it's not bad. No, I I think I think it's perfectly fine. But wow, I I almost always what I've I've for whatever reason I've heard people's answers to this question before, and it seems like pink is usually the go to for a lot of people. Yeah, pink is a, it's I understand why it's popular because strawberry is a very popular fruit. Not that this has any resemblance to the fruit upon which it's, it's based. Not at all. But uh, 
but you know, I, I, I get where they're coming from. Uh, it's just, at least in Starburst form, strawberry always seemed a little, a little milk toast to me. It was, uh, I don't know. It was, it was fine. It was certainly candy. If you wanted, if you wanted a soft <laughs> chew that was going to put sugar in you, that was, that was one way to go about it. But, uh, but I don't know the, the red cherry, if you're in that family of colors always seemed like the, the more potent option. And, you know, let's yeah. be clear if you're eating candy, you're not looking for a chill time. You want something potent. You want something <laughs> that gives you a little kick. You want that sugar high. Yeah. Now I have to ask, is this, because the last time I ate Starburst was probably in the 90s sometime, is, has, the, <laughs> has the like set of possible answers to this question expanded significantly in that time? Are there like blue Starbursts? I don't are think there, it's like, changed at all, no. at least not as far as I know. Okay. I bought for for Halloween like uh, last year just to have you know since it was since obviously all the candy was uh, readily set up for impulse purchases. I wound up buying like a big bag of Starburst uh, last October, and uh, yeah, no, it was just the same flavors as always. Now it's maybe they have like other like varieties of the way that Skittles has like you know ten different versions of Skittles now, right, that's but what I mean. I, the but the, the core flavors are still exactly the same. Okay. Um, yeah. although it's interesting you bring up the Halloween option because I don't know if, was your bag just like a bunch of individually wrapped ones? It was, um, a bunch of two packs. So, right. so, so, so two each, packs. Yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah, I the, think that's a fascinating proposition for a product that only has four potential options. Right. Um, you know, you could, uh, I mean, you could, you could figure out all the different probabilities and computation or combinations, permutations. I haven't taken stats in a few years, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I always remember getting those and then thinking exactly what i just told you like man if this could be a red and a yellow that would be perfect and then i'd That's open the it dream. and it'd be like two oranges and i'd say man this is this, this is a completely shot opportunity and it's not I, like i got an idea for another uh another another uh room in the uh the hollow uh mansion which is you know how scrooge duck has that has a pool, swimming pool full of gold coins you, yeah, you should yeah. have like a, a pool full of red and yellow starburst oh man would these be unwrapped I think that'd be gross. I don't know. It I, would be I, I gross, feel like you, but it would add would, a lot to the experience. Like I could, I would truly true. feel like I'm in the Starburst. Um, you, yes. you, would, you would dive in with your mouth open, yeah. Yes, and I would emerge <laughs> sticky, and uh, this, you know, the Starburst <laughs> would have to be replaced on a regular basis. But um, but you got the money for it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm 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 disgustingly loaded at this point. I can just I can be Starburst's <laughs> biggest single customer. Um, but uh, but yeah, getting getting a double orange was was heartbreaking, and it I don't yeah. think it's like that for any other candy. You know, most of the chocolate products, it's very homogenous. You get right. one of the same thing. Um, what are some other? I guess Skittles. The Skittles taste different. Skittles yeah. and M and M's, like you M and M's, they all taste the same. But for both of them, you might get like more of one color than the other. But statistically right. speaking, you were still pretty likely to get one of at least at least one of each potential option oh, yeah. uh the starburst twofer is uh it was a very unique approach and it's um it's interesting to hear that they're obviously still doing that because i'm guessing this uh this halloween scheme of yours was this past halloween yeah exactly so i think i probably bought a bag that was intended to be like given out for like trick-or-treating like each each kid would walk, walk away with it with a pack of two yeah i wonder how the child mind perceives starburst in the modern era because it yeah. seems like it hasn't changed at all since we were kids so um you know, they're probably still constantly beset with that potential heartbreak of, 
you know, for whatever it's your favorite oranges. flavor is having the opposite of that. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to learn how to deal with deal with uh, hard times at some point, and so you might as well, you know, wean kids onto it with Starburst. You know? <laughs> yeah, I guess you just uh, you gotta you gotta take the hand that's dealt to you, and um, you know, understand that you're still gonna get roughly the same sugar rush either way, and the the flavor experience is always going to be fleeting. Uh, so you just gotta you gotta embrace the larger picture, which is that you're eating candy. You're wearing a costume. <laughs> it's nighttime. You're in a real great place. Yep. All right, here comes the next question. All right. Ooh, okay. This one was submitted by a listener, but they didn't leave their name. So thank you, anonymous listener. Ooh, spicy. What is the be- Yeah, v- very appropriate adjective. Uh, what's the best condiment? For example, sriracha, barbecue sauce, ketchup, mayonnaise, etc. <sighs> okay. Gonna go with Chick Fil A's Polynesian sauce. Whoa! Which is that is, that is a obscure sauce. Yeah. Well, especially out there, do they still don't have any Chick Fil A's out in the South Bay? You have to go all the way down to Sunnyvale to get Chick Fil A, which I have done, but it's a schlep. Yeah. <laughs> but even that one, that's only been around for a few years, right? I think. I mean, I've only been to it once. It was one of the main reasons I left California. <laughs> lack of access to chick-fil-a for six days of the i'm week. fed up with this world <laughs> yeah but uh but polynesian sauce it's it's no different from your standard like mcdonald's sweet and sour sauce like they it's a little different okay. i guess but it's the same fundamental recipe um but you know if we're if we're judging sauces or condiments by the amount that it adds to the food that you normally consume it with um, right that's that's really what puts it at the top of the list here because what are the things you're dipping in chick-fil-a polynesian sauce waffle fries fantastic combination uh yeah maybe chicken tenders also fantastic combination chicken sandwich even like just the way that it behaves just with dip the sandwich in with yeah. the bun the meat and hell let's even say the pickle even though i <laughs> have been taking them off for years like most sane people do um you're, you no 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 you you're, you're totally wrong you got to have pickles on a fried chicken sandwich that that's obligatory yeah is that is that true is that like a southern thing because it is I, a southern thing okay see i think if they had been more clear about that from the get-go people would have been less repulsed by it i mean i don't know <laughs> when was the first time i had chick-fil-a probably sometime in the late 90s i don't remember when it really started expanding nationally but no idea but i i just remember being really mystified by that like this is a great sandwich and i take a bite in, and suddenly i get a taste of something weird and <laughs> you know, I guess the disclaimer here is that I'm not a big fan of fan of pickles. I find the entire idea of pickling to be a bit asinine. Um, and so I take a bite and I get this. It's a it's a bad surprise to get in the middle of what you expect is just going to be. If you're looking at the sandwich from the side, it's a very simple bun, fried chicken bun experience. And that's yeah. I think that's part of why it bugs me as well, because the pickle is a fundamental part of the sandwich but it's also completely obscured. Yeah. And that, I, I think it probably, my, my guess is that it probably started maybe, um, when like the breading on fried chicken was just like bread. And so it didn't have like seasoning and salt and stuff. So the pickle would add a little bit of extra, you know, added texture flavor, flavor to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so when I say Polynesian sauce goes great with everything from Chick-fil-A, I'm excluding anything that has pickles in it because <laughs> now now does it go well with things that are not from chick-fil-a um you know to be honest with you i have not i have not tested that very thoroughly um usually when i get chick-fil-a 
I'm getting the large thing of waffle fries and I'm getting the sandwich. And by the time I'm done, the sauce is pretty much used up. So I'm not really holding on to it for the next right. usage. <laughs> um, and that's probably, I would guess when people answer this question with something like Sriracha, they're saying, oh yeah, I put it on everything. Uh, I think there's a bunch of stuff that people will say they put on everything, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come out here and tell you right now that I think that this would go perfectly with everything because frankly, okay. Some food items should not have to have condiments. Like I would rather have it cold and by itself than have to put something on or to give it some more flavor because, totally, you know, a, a, a food item should be able to stand on its own. If it's so plain that it needs seasoning, then why did I even buy it in the first place? <laughs> I don't know if I'm sure I've disproven myself in the past, but like that's, that's a general theory I have about food. Like, especially yeah. as someone who has not, cooked a meal for themselves in probably two years like everything i get is prepared <laughs> these days just because there's so many fast food places near me and i'm sure that's terrible for my health but the point mm -hmm. is that i would never buy anything that i felt absolutely had to go with a condiment so when i say chick-fil-a polynesian sauce goes great with the waffle fries and with the sandwich i'm not right. saying that either of those things absolutely need the polynesian sauce i'm just saying that the sauce adds a lot to it yeah got it Okay, so so two requests for our listeners. One, if you happen to have the recipe for the Polynesian sauce, for those of us who are not in near proximity to a Chick Fil A, uh, you know, you you can uh, totally email it. Please email it uh, to. Uh, oh, let me actually check, make sure I'm giving people the right email address. Uh, yeah, if you have that recipe, email it to Eric at randomquestions.xyz. I would love the opportunity to uh, to try it and uh, or try to make it in any case. I'm not sure if it's. I'm gonna really make the effort to go all the way down. You know, 30, 40 minute drive just to get some but uh, the second request is uh, if you uh, have a chick-fil-a near you and you have it accessible uh try the polynesian sauce with some red and orange starburst and let us know uh, how that goes oh, that so great. <laughs> right now i'm, I'm curious I, now you know when you're saying this it almost sounds like a plug to go patronize your local chick-fil-a and i don't want to conflate this with implicit right. support for their various political positions but i think other other people other 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 celebrated minds have said this better than I can. Um, like I will eat Chick-fil-A if it's near me and I'm hungry for it and it's a business and I am not too concerned with their stance on political issues. Like, yeah, I don't love that, you know, they're against same sex marriage, but it's not going to stop me from going too bad. to get waffle fries, they lost. And Polynesian sauce. <laughs> yeah. And they lost. And you know, anyone who takes a stance like that is ultimately going to lose anyway, because even though it takes some stumbles here and there, progress always has to march on. Anyway, I do not, I, I do not want to be political at all. I'm just saying Chick-fil-A, they make good food. And as long as they keep doing that and their political positions don't get too extreme, it's not going to stop me from giving them business. It might. Right. And until Chick-fil-A endorses Donald Trump, I will, I will uh, continue to uh, recommend that people check it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. Even then, you know, a business. Even then. A business endorsing a candidate who is a business person before anything else i yeah. think that's uh you know that's not that out of the question yeah yeah i mean i don't want to talk about trump too much because i get nah, way nah. too much of that in my regular life but uh you know it's um i don't know i don't really get i think a lot of this reactionary freak out is uh is is responding to the wrong things about him um yeah anyway that's not drop it well, 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 we'll put a pen in it there. But. Sure. <laughs> All right, and uh, here comes what will make this the last question. Okay. 
Oh shit! <laughs> we have one hell of a kicker here. All right. Uh, this is random questions, so I, I cannot uh, cannot uh, guarantee that we have we have a happy question. To take us out. We got. What is the worst way to die? What's the worst way to die? Yeah. Okay. I did a uh, podcast one one of the previous episodes with with my coworker uh, Kurt Wagner, and he just just through random chance got like four different questions about death, and it was so depressing. And I'm still like uh, we're still laughing about it just because he's you know he got he got so screwed over by by that interview just all just making me think about making me making him think about disease and death and you know all sorts of horrible things. Yeah, you yeah. just have to do it once. There. Are... There are a lot of bad ways to go, but um, I don't know. I think so. Obviously, it's going to have to be one of the longer deaths that you could have, one of the more excruciating sure. processes. Um, and I'm going to go out there and say, I think going crazy and dying from like continuous sleep deprivation is probably the worst death I can think of because it's the Ooh. most drawn out process it's going to drive you into insanity in a more kind of protracted way than anything else i can think of and i might be wrong there um yeah but uh but it's really also in most cases a situation where you are the you are what's defeating yourself you know maybe someone's trying to torture you play loud noises in yours all the time um sure but at the end of the day it's like it's your own brain destroying yourself and i don't think there's any worse way to go um, other than maybe drowning in a pool filled with red and yellow starburst, um, <laughs> in which the empty spaces in between are filled by Chick-fil-A Polynesian sauce. Like, I think that's a bad way to go. you say dr- drowning in a pool of orange starburst. You know, that, that's sort of like, I can't even No, no, no. That's the opposite. I think it's having, having the good flavors there, and that's what ends up being your downfall. <laughs> that's the scariest part to me, because it's the thing you love. You know, the things you love, it's, that's, that's what I'd least expect to kill me. You know, unless they gave me a heart attack, but that's something that you can see coming from a little further. If you're just right. swimming in your pool of your favorite stuff, and and you just drown in it you know i think people will walk by and say man that was a great death but i don't think it is i think it's a really heartbreaking one um i'll give you a another very strange real life example of this okay so let me take it back to 2003 okay senior year of high school okay and i'm in marching band and you know i tried i my friends and i we tried playing some pranks in marching band and uh you know the year before we did something involving a hamster and we did something (laughs) involving a rat so we're about to take (laughs) a bus trip up to New York for like this guy, this competition in giant stadium. And I'm thinking, man, we need to hit the rodent trifecta here, but let's do it in a big way. So let's do something involving three mice. So the trip starts on a Saturday, last home games on Friday. So before the home game, we drive to the pet store and we buy three mice. And then they're in this little wooden carrier, not wooden cardboard carrier, right? It's not too cold out. So I leave them in the trunk of my car and I say, all right, we got to go do this home game. Then I'll take these things home and then I'll figure out what the prank is going to be. So I get back to my car. I pop the trunk and the box is there and there's just a big hole gnawed in the side. No. So thus begins my journey to find them. First, I look in the back seat and I actually find the first mouse pretty easily. He's alive. He's fine. I hold on to him. Okay. Um, don't end up doing a prank. Then I look in the front, and I can't find any mice, 
But then I look over to the cup holder, and in the cup holder was my cup of Subway lemonade, <laughs> which I had left there. And in that lemonade was a rodent who died the sweetest death imaginable. Oh, he drowned Just, in lemonade. The, the mouse drowned in lemonade. Oh. And, uh, you know, I can't speak to whether that mouse has had, had lemonade any time before in his or her short life, um, but I can only hope that it was a somewhat pleasurable death because as they were drinking this new wonderful sugary substance, uh, they got some enjoyment out of it even as it filled their lungs and brought their life to its conclusion. That's kind of like a uh, sort of like a Twilight Zoney twist on you know how on like some game shows and stuff they would say like a lifetime supply of like what what, what if you want to want a game show it's like and now a lifetime supply of lemonade and they just drown you in a vat of lemonade. Oh, I would watch that show. In fact, <laughs> I feel like that's probably a Japanese game show already. It probably uh, is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, followed fall, fall by uh, ice racquetball. Yeah. Yeah, which is something that I might enjoy watching even more than hockey. To your previous point, um, <laughs> so. So I need to close this with the last mouse because the third mouse oh, right. I never I never ended up finding. Okay. Um, and this was last home game of the season, so late autumn. Autumn becomes winter. I start using a heater in my car. One oh. day I'm driving I'm driving my friend to school, and we start smelling this weird no. smell. We're like, man, this, it smells like a hibachi in here. What's going on? <laughs> but we know it. We never discovered that mouse. So fast forward to about eight months later, and I'm about to go off to college, and my dad's like, all right, you're going to leave your car here, but it's going to expire, like the inspection's going to expire, so get it inspected before you leave. So this is the day before I go off to college. I take the car to the inspection place. It seems to be in perfect working order. So I sit there and wait. The guy comes out. He's like, I'm sorry, your car failed inspection. I'm like, well, why? Why? There's nothing wrong with this car. Yeah. He pops the hood, and he shows me the battery cables. And they've been gnawed almost all the way through oh, by wow. something. Um, and that's the last clue I ever got about what happened to that mouse. So he got electrocuted by gnawing through the battery cables? That is what all the evidence would appear to point to, yes. Man. Well, I hope the uh, people for the ethical treatment of animals don't listen to this podcast, because, man, you, you're going to be in some deep shit if they do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, it was completely unintentional. I was planning on doing the prank and then giving them uh giving them a good life and you know a nice big habitat with uh with tubes and exercise wheels and all that stuff that what was the prank gonna be like. uh <laughs> you know i never got around to figuring that out i might have it written <laughs> down somewhere like in in my parents house or something um I might step one buy mice step two question mark <laughs> step three profit in laughter yes yep yeah <laughs> <sighs> to be well again. Uh, on that very disturbing note, uh, Eric, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Uh, did you have fun? Yeah, no, this is, this is great. This was exactly as advertised, just a, a series of random questions with, uh, hopefully not too disturbing responses. No, I think apart from that, apart from that last one, I think we did pretty well. So, uh, so. Well, you kind of set me us. up for it by asking what the worst possible death was. I know. Well, hey, it was, I didn't choose the question. It was random. So, <laughs> And that's what's beautiful about it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the random questions we have time for today. Remember to visit randomquestions.xyz to submit your own random questions. You can follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. Uh, before we go, Eric, is there anywhere you want people to find you online? Yeah. You know what? Uh, so I recently put a book on Amazon, a novel that I've been working on actually since I was living in California. 
Really? Uh, it's called Aimless, and uh, the author is listed under E.A. Silk because I just decided to use my first two initials in my pen name. Um, Aimless by E.A. Silk. Yeah. It's kind of a superhero origin story, sort of sci-fi-ish. I just wanted to write a story I've been kicking around in my head for many years. Um, and, uh, you know, granted, it's mostly just been friends and family who've read it so far. But uh, well, it's also no, nobody I, I, who's I, obligated to say nice things to me has said bad <laughs> things about me. Well, so everyone listening to this, go, go read Aimless by EA Silk. You said it's on Amazon? It is on Amazon, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, everyone uh, go, go read that. I'm going to go do that. That's awesome. I didn't know you had uh, written a novel. Um, and then uh, for, for this show, if you want to follow this show online, uh, Rando Cues on Twitter, also Facebook.com slash Rando Cues. You can like the page there. Uh, Random Questions Show Music is by Red Eyes and licensed under Creative Commons. For more, visit RandomQuestions.xyz. Thank you for listening. <laughs>